cool. Welcome back to Yin and Yang, the podcast. We are here with artist, illustrator, um, creative director, uh, uh, food connoisseur, <laughs> Jeff <Am I>? Oki. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for I mean, I, I, me. I watched a vlog of yours just like as I was doing research for this. I, I saw oh, you did a vlog in uh, Tokyo a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, you're oh, eating the one some I, stuff. Yeah. Horse sushi, probably. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah. We can get into that, I guess. I'm kind of curious about that. Um, but sure, but sure. to start us off, um, yeah. So, I will, I'll just say for our listeners, uh, I met Jeff at the LA Asian Pacific Film Festival like years ago. And I think you had issues with getting a ticket or something or it was something random like that. Um, and I, I'm like, hey, I, I think I, I can, uh, somehow I had, I was able to help you get a ticket. I remember something vaguely like that. I don't know if you remember that at all. Or, that sounds familiar. Did I bother yeah. you? Like you were standing outside and I was just like, hey, can you get me in? I don't remember. <laughs> it sounds like something I would do and just, I, I, it's not like I didn't know anybody in there. You know what right, I mean? Right, it was just yeah. like, can I get a ticket to get in? Yeah. Stopping so, tickets. Yeah. Uh, was it? Yeah. No, it's it's called uh promoting Asian American culture, Dan. Like, <laughs> well, I don't know. Helping I mean, a brother out. When you're going to the Laker games, there are all those guys out there. There's like, hey, do you have an extra ticket? I yeah. always wonder what those people are doing, but maybe they're like Jeff. They just want like a uh, to go watch a Laker game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah In all. this case, he wanted to go watch some films. Yeah. yeah. So um, I met Jeff, <laughs> and then uh, he reached out to me. Um, uh, not too long after about uh, my short film online, Alan. So I was on his podcast, the yellow peril podcast. Um, oh yeah. Jeff's also a podcaster. And sometimes, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like us sometimes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yes. Just like us. And then uh, yeah. And now here we are. So um, I uh, kept up with Jeff's work like on Instagram. And also I met up with him prior to him, uh, him leaving for Taiwan. So uh but yeah, that's right. That's kind of my background. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we it's were like blur, keeping. Sorry. Yeah, that ear is blur. But and we kept <laughs> we, our social I distance. Care. I remember he's like, "So uh, you don't have any symptoms, right?" I'm like, "Uh." And, and as I said the "uh," he was like, "I could see this fear in his eyes." Like, <laughs> I was like, "Uh, no, I'm good." <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not want to get it. Sorry. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Definitely. Because like, want to get it. <laughs> given the situation that you were in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we can talk about that unless it's too personal. But yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So, I'm an open um, book mostly. mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Before we, we like to start with uh, our new, any new guest is uh, get a little bit about their background. So, where you grew up, um, you know, and what made your way? How'd you make your way to LA? Then eventually to Taiwan for a short time, then coming back. I guess you grew up in Sacramento. Is that correct? Yeah, I was born and raised in Sacramento. Um, father's Japanese American, fourth generation mothers, Taiwanese, um, and then came here for college. They met in Sacramento. I moved to LA for university. I went to UCLA, um, eventually majored in design, interned at a studio doing like some web digital stuff for them, then went freelance for a while dabbled in independent film, kept doing design and 
worked my way up to creative director at a few agencies. And now I'm at Skydance Media as a creative director there and their marketing team. So yeah, I love LA though. LA's great. Oh, and then Taipei. Gosh, I forgot. Yeah. So, well, I moved to Taipei once before in 2012 to 2014 because um, I was tired of LA. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I would learn a bit more Mandarin. And really then it was just, I knew I wanted to live outside of the country. So it was between Hong Kong, Shanghai, and Taipei. And Taipei ended up being just too awesome to say no to. And 100%. I had enough freelance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Taiwan's great. So I freelanced there for about two years until I, I got a job offer back here, moved back. And then I just moved back from Taipei again after about a year and a half there. Um, I left LA August, 2020 because my then long distance girlfriend, she came to visit me beginning of 2020 she left in march of 2020 got back to taiwan and was like i'm pregnant i'm like awesome we were already planning on getting married so it just accelerated our timeline and i moved there before the baby was born we got married before the baby was born and then had the baby in november 2020 and then i was stuck there while we figured out her green card and her visa to come back and we finally got that all done and moved back to la in march what are we in April? Yeah. So about <laughs> right. Yeah. A month yeah. ago. It's been, a, it's, been we've been back about weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Crazy man. Yeah. It's been a I, I've been, I reached out to you um, while you were in Taiwan and then you said you were moving back. So I was like, okay, well you should probably, you know, take care of all that stuff. And then as you get settled, we'll, we'll touch, you know, we'll, we'll contact again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. So were you working at Skydance while you were figuring all the visa stuff out? Yeah. So before I left LA, I was working at an agency before, like a boutique agency doing social media in entertainment still and other products. But uh, I told them what the situation was. We are already literally the weekend my now wife left LA in March of 2020. That Monday, my office is like, nobody come to the office because of COVID. Okay. So we started working from home and then a month or two later, my wife's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay. I told my work, like, I've got to go to Taiwan. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, as long as you can keep working LA hours, we should be fine. I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> what are the hours? It's like, oh, it's like midnight to 9am in Taipei. So I had that job and then I just got tired of it. And then an old coworker that's at Skydance that uh, really wanted to work together again, um, got me this position at Skydance Media. So I started that in last year of August, mm. but they knew my hours? situation. Yeah, they're, they're like, they offered to let me try to shift my hours. I'm like, look, I'm not gonna be the guy that starts a new job and is like, yeah, you know, pamper me and, <laughs> You with my situation. So I sucked it up. I'm like, I've been doing it for a year. What's another God knows how long, but yeah, we made it work another six months doing those crazy hours. Did it make the jet lag better when you came back? It did. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. When I got here, I was like, oh, no problem. But the baby <laughs> and the wife took a few days. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. The baby makes you 
really have to be back on the schedule too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess Dan, you're familiar with that, right? Or, oh yeah. 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 Oh, well, you, congratulations. Jeff. Thank you. You worked those hours before too? No, I didn't work those hours. I just have two kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, God damn, don't do those hours. Yeah. Well, I, I work I LA that. hours, but I don't have to do it. <laughs> but dan you worked in japan before right um yeah just briefly like uh for a summer but nothing nothing like what jeff did oh yeah yeah working yeah. in japan in la hours that's that's not something i've done okay oh, gotcha. right 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 yeah, yeah, yeah but you worked in japan recommend. in japan hours obviously <laughs> yeah. and then yeah. yeah yeah um so cool uh let me see you have the focus is going a little bit in and out on your camera. I guess it's on autofocus, maybe. So oh, I yeah. Just, I, just I can noticed. turn that off. Yeah. Deal with that real fast. Sorry. So how do you like it at Skydance? Yeah. It's been really well, awesome. <laughs> I'm sure. You're not, even if it was bad, you're like, oh, man, it sucks. You're not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Because you're True. Right I mean, there. look, I'd, I'd still be honest. You know what I mean? But yeah. I will say, yeah, it's been like... Um, is that better on my focus? Yeah, cool. You're nice. Yeah, it's not. Oh, oh, oh there. I just changed it. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Um, um yeah, no, the, the company's been amazing. The last company I was at, I'll complain about them a little bit. <laughs> um, they should be unnamed. I'm assuming. Or? Right. Look, I've worked at so many companies. The last agency was just a little strict, and they didn't really. And the pandemic hit them hard. And so there were cuts. And I'll just say that Skydance really took care of me already. They recognized, you know, my work already in like the first yeah. four months. Um, so it's been great. And like the benefits are awesome. The time off, like entertainment time off is amazing. We got two weeks off paid wow, you know, for nice. the holidays. Whereas my last agency was like, you get Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And New Year's Eve and New Year's Day off. That's it. We're like, what? Like, yeah. That was the first agency I've worked at that has only given those days off. So I was like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> there were other things, but that was, that, that didn't help things, you know? Right. Have you, so. have you met Tom Cruise or? Um... <laughs> no. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Uh, I mean, you, I literally haven't met anybody at the company except the oh, last right. person I, that I worked with that got me the job. Yeah. So, are they are they going back into the office anytime soon? Um, no. So that's good. They wanted people back in January and February, but then Omicron hit, and then the thing is, is they were going to we're remodeling Skydance bought a building in Santa Monica, and then they just basically practically demolished it to rebuild a whole new one uh-huh. so the boss wanted us in for january february and then demolished starting end of february so then everybody was supposed to go work from home again uh-huh. but it ended up everybody just stayed working from home because of omicron mm-hmm. and then our office is supposed to be done in sometime this year later this year and then we'll be back in the office whenever it's done but i'm in no rush yeah, <laughs> no one is no one's yeah, in a rush to yeah. go back well like, I, I maybe have to once see a week so yeah. yeah oh yeah well yeah, yeah. i can see school yeah yeah school's tough yeah school to do over zoom 
Dan, Dan, your your kids are back in school, right? Or they've been back in school for a bit. Yeah, they've been back in school this whole year. They've been masked up, oh, wow. but then LA dropped a mask mandate for kids uh, recently, or for indoors at least. So mm-hmm. there's some kids, you go to school and there's like some kids that don't have a mask on. Yeah. And then, so that's... But some do. And some I do. hear sometimes, it seems like most kids don't bother other kids with masks, but I'm sure some kids do, right? <laughs> have you heard of any of that? Like, um... Like, like mocking fights? them for like, you know, like, ah, hey, you're still wearing a mask. Not in, not in my kid's school. Not That's that it. I've heard of. <laughs> um, but I, I will say that there are parents, even in 2020, they were like rebelling against the idea of having masks when the kids go back to school. Like in 20, 2020, 2021, they were like holding rallies outside the school. Oh, God. They were holding rallies without masks on, I'm assuming, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the whole premise was that kids don't need masks and they shouldn't have masks because um, if kids get it, it's not going to be very bad. So there are some parents that were out there. (sighs) But they're spreaders, though. Yeah. And you can't assume either, right? You don't know who's immunocompromised of a kid. Right. Right. Not all kids are, you know, built the same, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so getting back to like, uh, maybe kind of like the trajectory of your life. So Sa- Sacramento, you went to college in LA and, um, UCLA, stu- yeah. yeah, you sell, you studied design there. Yeah. So I went in as art history thinking I could transfer really easily into design after I got in, but after five attempts of applying to the design program, I finally got in like the end of my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, it turned out they only take like zero to two design transfers from within the school. So it took me a while to get into the program, mm. but I still finished in four years, no problem. Um, but, you know, I was always interested in entertainment and film animation. Um, so, I guess I got lucky that I ended up getting an internship at my first internship in college was at Sony pictures Hmm. and they had a department called already for like the web department called Sony pictures, digital entertainment. And I'll say a lot of the people that I worked with back then, I still work with or stay in touch with now. So some of them are still my mentors and, you know, stay with them for a while, even during the internship during school and then got hired full-time after I graduated. So um, that was kind of my first foray into entertainment, but just doing ridiculous stuff, whether it's like, it was Sony pictures. Oh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man came out while I was working there. That was awesome. Oh, the Toby ones, right? Yeah, Yeah, the originals. That's how old I am, sorry, I'm just dating myself. (laughs) Um, But what else, we did some stupid stuff. Uh, and it was the dot-com heyday. So it was like, yeah, you know, beer Fridays and I'm not even 21. So it was like, this is amazing. (laughs) Oh my, like free guacamole and salsa and food every Friday. This is the best. It was, it was pretty nice. Mm. So yeah, I mean, as it to go on a lot. Yeah. As a kid growing up, did you already know, like that you were always like, you were into like I guess nerdy stuff, right? Back in the day, oh, yeah. you know, like Magic the Gathering, the card game, or like, yes. you know. Um... Yeah, you've seen my place. And yeah. <laughs> I'll, if you, obviously, everyone else hasn't, but my place, 
I live in a loft in downtown LA arts district and it's filled with board games, comic books, magic cards. Um, so yeah, I grew up on comic books and cartoons, sci-fi, fantasy, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, all that stuff. So, hmm. and that definitely influenced like my style in terms of design and art and illustration and whatnot. Did you grow up in like a mainly white community or Asian or pretty diverse community or? I mean, they say Sacramento is pretty diverse. My schools, I would say were fairly diverse, but, you know, still predominantly white. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that's also, I mean, my dad's fourth generation Japanese American, you know, he doesn't speak any Japanese. His parents spoke a bit of Japanese, but I just know, you know, he still felt, and he's told this to me when he was growing up, that there was still a lot of anti-Asian sentiment after World War II. Mm. So he said he tried to be as American as he could be, right? Right. So he made it a point almost to not learn Japanese. Uh. Um, So I think that influenced my western upbringing mostly up western and then yeah like my friends were predominantly white i can only i, I barely had yeah i think of a few asians yeah and then just How my family you? but but there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of asians in sacramento you know what okay I mean? yeah yeah and there's my family like my family was enough asian <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting he wanted to be american but then he married a Taiwanese woman, I guess, or yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. And then she's really yeah. pretty, so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I guess I guess you know Americans are into Asian women, so sorry. <laughs> exactly, it's not yeah, that far yeah. off. But... Not too far off, yeah. <laughs> they met at work. It's just like you know, and he dated Asian girls too. I've seen old pictures of him in high school with like Asian girlfriends. So mm. I'm like, okay, but go figure. Yeah. <laughs> was it a culture shock going to UCL going to LA from Sacramento like way more Asians yeah it definitely was because when I think back about growing up in Sacramento and in my family I, I, we didn't talk about like the other Asian cultures right like right. I mm-hmm. knew I was Japanese and Taiwanese Chinese but if you said you were Korean I'm like I probably can point I can maybe point to it on a map maybe but i don't know what that means right yeah. culturally yeah right and when i went to high school i'm not like that's that guy's korean she's chinese she's i was just like oh we're asian yeah like i really didn't know the differences mm. mostly right but college was like whoa like <laughs> there's a lot more and everyone seems to really identify more with like what their uh heritage is and 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 i i knew a bit of mine but it was mostly like the japanese american story right and like i had never been to taiwan and like i went once when i was five and i didn't go again until well after college so you know i only had what i knew from my mom and meeting the rest of her side of the family in america right um so once yeah ucla was like my it blew my mind (laughs) because again you know it's like my upbringing was different in that one parent was very westernized and one parent was 
um, still, you know, like first generation immigrant, but I think because of her upbringing, I mean, she was, her family was pretty well off, you know, so she was sort of raised in a Western schooling system in Taiwan. Mm. So she went to like a private Catholic school, I think. So she had an English name from when she was young. Mm. She ended up at a Western university, right? So. Oh, she went um, to school. She went to America because of university, right? Or... Yeah, she went to Sac okay. State. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, Interesting so, choice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how she picked that, but it worked out for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're here. <laughs> because I'm here. Um, but yeah, so once I got to UCLA, I was like, wow. And then I started to learn a bit more um, just from friends. And I would say, you know, even more so after college, traveling to Asia as well, you know, really opened my eyes even more. Like the first time I went back to Taiwan as an adult, I was like, now it's only Asian. <laughs> right? like, you see like, wow, there's a lot. Then you go to Asia, you're like, oh yeah, like I'm just, Another I guy. don't stand out, right? <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I might just, I mean, I've heard people like, you can tell like the ABCs walking around in Taiwan. That's pretty right, easy. They walk right? like but, this or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm confident. I know what I'm doing versus like, I'm very, I don't know. But I, it just really changed me when I finally went to Asia for the first time as an adult. Um, and it actually gave me more confidence about who I am and my culture and, and background. So, I mean, growing um, up, did you have, it sounds like you didn't really have too much of a cultural awareness. You didn't, you, everything was just blanket Asian. Um, I mean, yeah. as a kid growing up with, you know, a lot predominantly white friends, like, did they ever call that, call it like, did you, they, I don't know if sometimes I've heard in other interviews of some people who've grown up in predominantly white areas, like mm-hmm. they didn't recognize maybe some casual racism that their white friends threw at them sometimes, or like, was that ever experienced with you or they were all like pretty, you know, um, you know, it definitely happened, you know, it definitely happened, but not a lot. I think my friends, I think I was pretty lucky, you know, that they Maybe sometimes you'd hear something and I can't, I want to say, I can't think of any moment in particular because I don't know. I feel like, again, Sacramento's pretty diverse and everybody kind of grows up knowing there's like all types of people around and, um, the, the, you know, I still got made fun of, but for more like normal reasons, like, oh, I was a chubby kid. So I get called, you know, fat or chubby, mm. you know, not like the Asian kid. They call right. you short round or anything like that, or <laughs> no, I don't think I ever got no. that really. James Maybe if actually... we watched the movie and then they're like, "Hey, that's," I got like when American Pie came out and John Cho was in it. Everyone's like, "You're the milf guy." I'm like, the one Asian guy that we now know <laughs> that's in the famous movie. Only one friend did that, and he was a little slow, so it's okay. But <laughs> it's fine. You know what I mean? Like it didn't really happen that much. No so disrespect to slow lucky. people, by the way. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> sure. <laughs> can I just say dumb then? He was dumb. Okay. I can, I can make, I can disrespect dumb people because no one's going to be like, how dare you? How dare you disrespect me? I'm dumb. Well, I guess dumb <laughs> now means also. Anyways, God. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's too many. 
yeah, my only cultural experience in terms of Asian was like the difference in food. Okay. That was it, right? Because your, your mom it. cooked like, did she cook food at home or? Yeah, my mom yeah. cooked Chinese food. Um, and then she learned a lot. My grandmother would cook pre like Japanese American food and some Japanese dishes, but mostly like country cooking, like, you know, corned beef hash, you know, baked apples. She grew up, my dad's side is really agricultural. They had a nursery in Sacramento. So she grew up on farms and everything, but we'd still get like spam masubi and, you know. I'm curious about what, I'm curious about what Japanese American food is like. What, what is exactly Japanese American I food? I mean, is me, spam masubi is super like Japanese American. It's Hawaiian. Yeah, it's I mean, Japanese Hawaii's part Hawaiian. Of America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her, her mother was born and raised in Hawaii before coming to California. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, we'll make like, I don't even what you call it. But it's like you layer rice with takuan, like yellow pickled radish. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then, you know, it's almost like a rice lasagna with takuan. And then you sprinkle furikake on it. I'm like, I don't think that's very Japanese. That to no. me is pretty like Japanese American, mm-hmm. right? You got a casserole dish. Yeah, it that's is. Very convenient. <laughs> and it's delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, Japanese American to me is like, I mean, California rolls, but she didn't make those. <laughs> and, well, you know, I have a yeah. third generation friend, third uh-huh. generation Japanese friend. And uh, he was the one who introduced me to like corned beef hash from the can with a side of rice. Oh, yeah. Or like dinty more with rice. Yeah. Or like Something Vienna like sausage. That. Yeah. Oh, with rice. Dude, yeah. Or like Vienna sausage. Teriyaki Vienna sausages. <laughs> have you ever had those? My grandma make those no. all the time. Ooh, yeah. Or oh no, it was little Smokies with teriyaki. Oh, nice. Oh. Yeah. So you know, yeah, it's this weird fusion of right down home country cooking with like rice that Japanese flavor, rice or teriyaki <laughs> or shoyu, soy sauce right. or mm. yeah, what have you. So, so then I'm assuming then you probably had family that were in the camps then. Yeah, my my dad's parents were both in the camps. Uh, in Poston, Arizona, I believe. Okay, yeah. For listeners that don't know, we're, we're talking about the Japanese internment camps during the World War II. Um, and I guess, yeah. Um, and anyone that's, yeah, anyone that's fourth Nisei, you know, or Yonsei, yeah, mm-hmm. they've had family in the camps. And uh, do they ever talk about it, or did, did they? Yeah. Uh, they did, if you asked. But I never asked too much. You know, I've read a few books that they gave to me. Um, My sister interviewed my grandmother way back. I mean, they both passed away now. But when my grandmother was alive, my sister was in like sixth grade. She recorded her on a cassette talking about her time. And I haven't listened to all of it. But, you know, I feel like you hear this all the time that they talk about it in a pretty positive way sometimes the experience or like obviously it was an awful thing that happened but i feel like they really did their best to make the best of the situation right so Mm. it could also be that my grandmother's dumbing it down for my little sister who was in sixth (laughs) Sixth grade at the time and it's not going to talk about the horribleness of it right um but you know uh you know my grandparents met in the con- in the camp so oh 
um and then they got married when they got back i believe so i i didn't hear much from them but they were very active in the japanese american community and you know always help do fundraisers for whether it's you know the monuments and posting or uh all types of events in sacramento gatherings reunions so so then i guess good. it sounds oh sorry uh, um I guess it sounds like when you went to UCLA, then sort of this kind of Asian American identity that uh, kind of like, because like your podcast is called Yellow Peril Podcast. So like, w- would you say that maybe your, I guess, was it your ethno ethnographic or Asian American identity kind of like was born out of Blossom. that kind of culture shock uh, in the <laughs> yeah. UCLA? Or, uh... I think so. I think, again, yeah, I don't think I could really pinpoint a moment. And gosh, where where did it really start? I don't even know. I would say it was just like through constant discussion with friends. And really it kind of starts with like, you know, why am I... <laughs> as a male, less attractive, right? <laughs> as a, as a, a dude who's just like trying to make girls, you're like, something's up here, right? Like in Sacramento it was okay and less noticeable, maybe just because, you know, I was a token Asian. But then when you get to college, you're like, okay, there's a lot of us now, but things don't seem balanced, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, I wonder why. And then you start just reading, talking to friends, watching more movies, understanding like, you know, what pop culture does to people's um, perception of everything. You're like, okay, yeah, that makes complete sense now because I probably, I watched all those movies and I almost understand why people perceive things the way they do, right? Obviously, or why they see me the way they do. And then the Yellow Apparel podcast which happened much after college. Um, again, it's just meeting more and more like-minded people. And, you know, I wanted to make more content that was from my perspective as an Asian American male. Um, and then I found Vu Bang, who uh, is a co-host on our podcast. And we're like, oh, we, we vibe. And he, he studied, you know, Asian American, uh, history culture everything i'm very like we call me the straw man (laughs) because i'm like i'm coming in a little blind and i know how i feel about certain things so i can ask the questions that either people are afraid to ask or you know Mm. um maybe i'll come in a bit naive but you know my intentions are good of course but you know just sort of have to and then he can guide me (laughs) but the main focus of the podcast was like yeah is bring attention to positive attention to asian american you know creators content and news yeah it's because it seems like um yeah it seems that just looking at some of your earlier work to more of your more recent work it seems like your earlier work, like you did a, uh, you did a film with Daniel Gilles. Oh, Daniel Gillies. Gillies, yeah. Yeah. I watched the six-minute one clip that you have on YouTube. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's pretty. It's a cool. deep dive. Yeah. Yeah. Panama. Yeah. Yeah. Or is it? You went to Central America or? Where yeah, was that was yeah. shot in Panama. So Daniel Gillies is a buddy of mine who married a friend of mine, and we hit it off. And he was acting, but he was hating the jobs he was getting. And then he's like, I think I had a camera. He's like, let's just go shoot a short film. I'm sick of making like these movies for a lot of money that I hate. Mm. I was like, that's nice. <laughs> but he's like, I'll pay for this trip. He's like, I've got this idea. Excuse me. You're in college and at this time or you just graduated or? No, this is six or seven years out of college probably. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah. Um, and he's like, let's go. I think I was freelancing. So I, I had, I had time. So he's like, let's go to Panama. I have this idea. Let's just shoot for like a weekend or three or four days. I don't even remember how long we were there. It's a blur again, but we did crazy stuff. And that trailer is way too long. We, we shot a short film and it ended up being like 45 minutes to an hour. And it should really be like, we could probably cut it down to 20 minutes, but we were like, you know, whatever. We're just heads up our own asses trying to like show off some cool stuff. Oh. But it was crazy. And then he went on to write a feature film. And then I went on that journey with him as well as an associate producer. And that film finally finished in 2012, maybe. And that took like three or four years to complete. He like, he stopped acting completely. He grew a crazy beard. He wrote it. He started it. His wife started it. Shot a third of it in LA, two thirds of it in Bogota, Colombia. Got money, got money taken away, got money again. Like we flew there. We had to fly back because we lost the money oh, or didn't wow. come through. It was crazy. So they were all crazy films to make. But it was a great experience to just see like, that, that film was called Broken Kingdom. And then they also made a documentary called Kingdom Come about the making of the movie. And we interview, or I should say the producers interviewed a ton of filmmakers, independent filmmakers, uh, because it all sort of happened during the crash, the stock market, you know, the whole economy sort of tanked. Uh, and <laughs> so a lot of, you know, VCs and investors dropped out of independent filmmaking. Mm. So filmmaking kind of just dried up that year. So that's why we were kind of in a hole and the documentary is a little bit about that, but we finally finished it. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't cool. know how I ended up on that. It was just, but, yeah. A friend was like, Hey, I like you. Like, you want to go shoot this? You know how to edit and hold the camera. And I did go in front of the camera a bit, but don't want well, that'll never be online. <laughs> yeah i was trying to find the the, the full-length version of the the wait for me um film and yeah i couldn't find it and i looked at the comments like oh you're never releasing it or you haven't released it and i mean the oh, comment was like eight years ago so i'm like oh okay all right well, uh, and then i, I looked I, I tried to find some other stuff from you and then i guess you did some t-shirt you did t-shirt making back in la or chinatown yeah yeah <laughs> Gosh. yeah so um, I love t-shirts. I'm a collector. I collect a lot of different things. And one of the things I collect are t-shirts. Um, and then my whole thing with that was in LA, you go out as one does 
And a lot of places would be like, you can't come in, you know, you're not, your shirt doesn't have a collar. Like you uh, don't have, right. You, you're not dressed nice enough. So it's like, fuck, can I cuss? I can cuss. Yeah. Right? Fuck yeah. 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 Fuck this shit. <laughs> I'm going to throw a party where you have to wear a t-shirt. So annually for, I don't know how many years, five, six years, I would throw the t-shirt party. And the first few were like, the first one was just at my house, but everyone had a great time. Then the next one was at some Japanese bar in Kohuenga way back in the day. I feel like it was just called Tokyo bar, (laughs) but eventually I met some guys that uh, I was doing some freelance work with and they started this company called hit and run and they've blown up now. They basically go to live events and they'll screen print t-shirts and a lot of like big brands will hire them for events. So it's like Adidas, they'll do Adidas t-shirts right on the spot and you can pick the design and color and the placement. So I did that. So I personally didn't make the t-shirt. I did some of the designs but I've tried to start a t-shirt company as well in Taiwan, but oh. that didn't really go anywhere because I left before it really launched. That was 2014. Mm. Okay. But I might bring it back. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. But like, yes, I, I do know, love t-shirts. Yeah, because like I, I think the video I watched in like this random blog, all, all I did was on Google, I just put Jeff Oki and then I just went from there. And then- yeah. And then, Je- and then I tried the other variation of your name, Jeffrey Oki. And then, um, yeah, some, it led me down to that, um, this, the, the hit and run video I saw. And then, cause yeah. Dan has a strong connection to Chinatown. Cause I think the party that the, in the video was a Chinatown. Um, yeah. It was that mountain yeah. bar, which is now general Lee's right. Dan, do you know yeah. where that is or <laughs> it's in central Chinatown, I believe. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mountain bar. It's still, it was managed by a guy named Jay and then now he's the owner and he uh, remodeled it and now it's General Lee's. But it's right next to, there's like a pho place. Yeah, oh, it's Blossom. I think it's Blossom. Yeah, so you're looking at Blossom you go to the left and then there's General Lee's just a building or two over. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty cool bar. It's in front of Sun Yat-sen, the statue of the guy, right? It's like Central Chinatown where they always shoot movies and then... Right, right. If you're looking at... Is that Sun Yat-sen right there? That statue? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Oh, really? Like that big open wide area? Yeah, with Wonder Bakery. And then Sun Yat-sen's a statue sitting down. And then the the Hop Sing Tong is right there. And then to the right is on the Blossom. I think it was... I don't know if Blossom is still there, but it was Blossom. Yeah, now I don't know. I've been gone for (laughs) (laughs) years. Everything's gone as far as I... But... Yeah, huh. I never noticed the statue of Sun Yat Sen. Yeah, Dan. I always see the Bruce a... Lee statue. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah Bruce yeah. Lee statue is iconic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dan's family has a restaurant in Chinatown. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Which restaurant? Yang Chow. It's on Broadway. It's on Broadway between College and Alpine. It's right. It's like two or three doors down from Sam. Where the old Samu is. It's like Hong Kong something seafood now. But right. Samu. The original Samu was, we were like two or three stores down. It's oh, still wow. there. Yang Chao is still there, but Samu right. is no longer there. Okay. I mean, I know I've seen it. I know the name. Yeah. It, the windows are all blacked out. Everyone thinks it's closed, but there's usually a line <laughs> out the door. Really? Okay. Yeah. We'll go check it out. Well, not, far. not yeah. now, but 
you know, pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, and now it's closed? No, no, it's still open, but it's, okay. there, there are like no lines out the door all the yeah. time. Got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right. So cool. So you're doing cool stuff. Uh, in, um, uh, uh, you study design at UCLA, then you you did that crazy film. Independent. You dipped your foot. Well, I guess you threw yourself into independent filmmaking, t-shirt yeah. making, all that cool stuff. That I'm curious about the Taiwan trip. It's, it's like you got tired of America, or like what? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. After my first trip to Asia as an adult, I was like, I need to go back. Right. Like I felt something. I felt, I don't want to say more me, but it definitely made me feel, gosh, I never had to elaborate so much on this, but (laughs) I just wanted to experience it more. And I Mm. felt a stronger connection to my heritage being there, right? And understanding my mother a bit more. Um, so yeah, I kind of just, I, I said, okay, I'm gonna make this move. I've got enough freelance work where I can work from anywhere and not work LA hours. <laughs> and, but back then I probably would have been fine because I was a single dude partying. I was just like, yeah, just work through it. <laughs> but. Uh, I did not do LA hours. And um, like I said, I traveled to, I think I did a week in Shanghai, a week in Hong Kong and a week in Taipei. I was Mm. like, all right, I'm going to pick one of these cities. (laughs) And like Shanghai is great. It's fun, but it was pretty spread out back then. Um, Public transportation wasn't so great and it was a little pricey. I mean, you could live really cheap, but it's pretty old in some parts. And I feel like the French concession area wasn't as developed as it is now, even though it was up and coming. Hong Kong was just expensive. Yeah. Hong Kong's amazing. I love all these cities. That's why I was like in my top three. Nah, Taipei's better. Just, just. But then I got to Taipei. (laughs) Yeah. I got to Taipei. I was like, I can walk everywhere. Like food's super cheap and good. And even though if you don't know the language, I feel like I could have been fine in Shanghai and Hong Kong. Mm. Um, and Taipei was just the same. So um, I picked Taipei. Yeah. I mean, as a, so you talk about being an Asian American dude in LA is like, okay, what's up with this dating? Like, why are all these white guys getting more dates who are, you know, I would say like, you know, I, I'm not, I would say I'm, I'm hotter than them in some ways, you know, and they're still, they're pulling more, more numbers. Like it is, come on. Like, as a, I gotta ask, like as a single Asian dude, like was the dating scene, um, was that part of the impetus? Like, did, did you, <laughs> or you wanted uh, to live a different life? Like, first of all, okay. My first question, um, how was dating in LA? And then did that switch right. when you made the move, I guess? Yeah. Right. Hmm. I'm trying to remember when I left. 2012 I think I was doing fine in LA oh yeah I will say one impetus was that I got I didn't get dumped but I got rejected by a girl that I really liked so I was like okay okay got it yeah in LA I was like okay you know what screw it like there was just one small part but we're talking about dating right so um but I don't think I was doing terrible Yes, I would say in Asia, I, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's like, oh, Asian women in Asia appreciate Asian men <laughs> or they have no qualms <laughs> about it, right? They're not like, oh, like I'd rather, you know, if I have all these options, it's like, oh, he's an Asian guy. Yeah, like why would I second guess anything That's the about norm. him? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and, uh, and so I do okay in Asia as well, you know, but is it better? Sure. Sure. I, I don't think that was my impetus to move mm. there though. Like I know friends that thought that's why, you know, and I told them like literally all my trips to Taiwan, you know, it wasn't like I was hooking up. I didn't mm. hook up on any of my trips before I moved there. Okay. So was I meeting girls? Yeah. But was I just like, I wasn't smashing left and right, you know. Right. Just, yeah, yeah. That happened after I moved. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that that you know, being in Asia again, like I think that's what gave me more confidence when I came back. And I feel like when I got back from Asia the first time, I was like, oh, I'm I don't have to. I'm I'm me. You know, it's like I'm Asian. It's okay. There are people out there that find me attractive. So, and I think that was a, a good confidence booster in terms of, you know, my self-image. Mm. Um, so I was fine in LA and I was fine in Taipei. Mm. Yeah. I was okay. Yeah. I shouldn't say I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, you know, if you ever go on Reddit and stuff like uh, there's like a lot of resentful Asian American dudes, you know, like, Oh, how come this, you know, these guys are doing better than me. And, and you know, cause of, like you mentioned before the emasculation in, in media and pop culture of Asian American men. Sure. But I, I do think that that idea of victimhood, you know, is, is damaging. So like, Absolutely. it's good to hear that you were doing fine. I mean, were you dating across the board, like white, Latina, Asian? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> how do i put this i can't say i'm not picky i am picky but yeah it's not you're not racist I, or i prefer yeah i'm not racist i'm not a racist <laughs> i'll say that um yeah uh i dated the full spectrum and i was yeah. open to that completely yeah. But then you just start seeing the odds, right? It's just like, all right, well, whether it's on a dating app, most of my responses are from Asian women. Okay, I get it. Sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not always. There's, there's all types. Right. right? Uh, but that I would say more so that happened in the past before I got married, of course. Uh, <laughs> on dating apps, I was like, oh, I'm getting a lot of more responses from like non-Asian women. So... Yeah. which was i'm like cool all right but too late <laughs> <laughs> too late <laughs> yeah cool so then um in taiwan then you felt at when you were working like there for the two years that you were there because i i did something similar actually after college i had visited during college i went to ucsd and then um on a spring break one time i went to taiwan for like a week and i felt like you know what you know i it was like, cool. You know, I had never lived in a foreign country before I had visited Tijuana cause I was in San Diego, but <laughs> you know, like I haven't lived in a foreign country. Um, so I, I, I wanted to know that experience. So in a similar way, I felt like, you know what, I want to explore my roots. Uh, both my parents are Taiwanese. So, um, that was kind of my impetus. And, uh, so yeah, that was, that was cool for me. I mean, did you, 
did you find a more, did you kind of find more of your roots in Taiwan or you're more like, oh, I realize how American I am or it's like a mix of those kind of feelings, yeah. Uh, I mean, I learned how bad my Chinese was. Oh God, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's still really bad. Even after a year and a half living there, I think people are just like, I, I haven't given up, but I would say before moving there, it was, almost non-existent and at least now I can survive and get around and you know talk to my daughter who's a year and a oh. half now in Chinese so that's good yeah um but yeah I think Taiwan you know and I, any of those cities I picked I guess you more so understand like what it's like to be a foreigner coming to another country and why you gravitate to certain groups, right? Mm. Yeah. And yeah. then, and that way, at least I'm like, if everyone did that, they would understand why, you know, so many immigrants sort of, you know, spend time with each other and form communities together and don't really branch out too much, right? Because it's really comfortable to hang out with other ABCs or like mm. English speaking friends in Taiwan or Asia. And, you know, even if I want to learn the language, I could hang out with a group of friends that mostly speak Mandarin, but they'd still, you know, totally accommodate me and speak English, right? Yeah. Maybe if we're at a party and they all speak Chinese, I'm just sitting there having a drink, but then they'll turn to me and remember like, oh, he doesn't understand anything that's going on, you know, like, and help me out. But, um, so yeah, I think it, it helped me understand that it still helped me, you know, be a bit closer to my mother because I think she just wanted me to learn a little more Chinese. And the thing is, she didn't go back to Taiwan that much either until mm. I went, until I moved back. She started going back a lot more. Do you have um, family there or? Um, a, a, an aunt. When I moved back, I only had an aunt. My, my mother's parents passed away before I moved there. Um, my uncle passed away before I moved there. So I only had an aunt, my mom's sister-in-law. And we don't really get along. She's fine. We get along. I should say we get along, but we don't really hang out that often. We'll get mm -hmm. like lunch or dinner every Occasion. like when I was there. Yeah. yeah like gotcha. maybe we yeah. did it twice yeah. or three times in two years. So yeah. But now now you have in-laws. <laughs> sort of. I have an interesting situation. My wife, uh doesn't really talk to her mother oh. and she doesn't know her father. Yeah. It's surprising. Oh. So we were in Taipei, like alone. I had one cousin there who's, uh, born in the States in Valencia, ended up marrying a Taiwanese woman. They lived in Arizona and then moved back to Taiwan about four or five years ago, maybe. Hmm. Um, so I would see him occasionally, but it's not like they have two kids of their own. There weren't, they offered to help watch the baby, but, we were pretty much on our own. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife, her mother's in New Taipei City and never saw the baby. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, okay. It's pretty, it's an interesting situation. But, gotcha. Yeah. 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 Shinbei Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Taipei is huge. And if you include like Shinbei uh, like New Taipei City, that's even bigger. <laughs> like, right. Taipei I mean, look, if she lived in Kaohsiung, she should still come and see her granddaughter, right, right. her first and, granddaughter, yeah, yeah. or only yeah. grandchild. But yeah, yeah. you know, 
she yeah. didn't. <laughs> but she has so, a cousin that came to visit us a lot, and she has an aunt that saw us finally before we left. So, yeah. So coming back from Taiwan, you have this kind of uh, maybe re- maybe renewed connection with your mom's side of the of you know that side of your family. And then uh, where did you go from there, I guess, uh, coming back from Taiwan and what, 2014-ish now? We're on the timeline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2014, moved back. Um, I just moved back for money. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that, that works. Yeah. I, was, I was draining a bank account in Taipei, even though I was making money, but I wasn't putting money away. And then I got a job offer from two people in LA when I came back for the holidays, like end of 2013. Um, and I was like, all right, the world's telling me I got to move back. I just uh, got two job offers for the most money I've ever been offered. I guess I should take one of them. <laughs> and I took one of them and uh, I moved back March, 2014. And, you know, but I went back to Taipei at least once a year from that time. Cause I uh, yeah. It's I great. found that the same, like after I lived there, it's kind of like, I kept going back once a year, once every two years. It's kind of like, yeah. you don't want, for some reason, I just like, it would be a shame if this re- re- renewed connection I have with this country mm-hmm. was broken. So I, I just, yeah, I guess it's similar to you. It sounds like, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it was necessarily because of like my connection with my heritage, but you know, you make a lot of, good friends and yeah, yeah the scene there's totally different than LA right the food scene the party scene the art scene um so I miss it I love it and you know it's always good to go back and I try to stay for at least two weeks but th- this last trip was a nightmare okay. <laughs> <laughs> all pandemic times yeah, the yeah should we fast forward to that yeah yeah we can talk yeah, yeah cuz yeah. from from living in taipei to being here in la it was just like agency work you know doing campaigns social media blew up so i became a creative director doing social media for a lot of like film and tv and it was fun um i mean so like, for our listeners can you describe very briefly what what is creative director I, i've seen this you know title before in different companies i guess it might mean different things for different companies maybe or it does mean different things like if you're an ad agency and you're creative director you mostly just come up with the concept for the ad you work with the copywriters you work with the designers digital creative director kind of the same thing but we do less copywriting it's more about the visual language and making sure like especially in entertainment, Mm. making sure the property is represented correctly and well. Um, I, some creative directors like myself are a bit more hands-on and I still do production work. Oh, really? So I'll I'll still design stuff or edit stuff or animate something because I still like doing it. But yeah, most creative directors will probably just be like, change that, change this, change that, change this. Mm. you know with to their their team of designers and art directors that's it in a nutshell all right so we fast forward to um yeah you meet your wife in la i guess and then uh, no we met in taipei oh (laughs) this is on one of the trips to back to one of the trips back got it got it um we met at core 
which if anybody's been to Taipei, it's like a swanky lounge club next mm. to the cheesy techno club. I shouldn't say that my friends are the owners. A really cool, <laughs> hip, young kids club. Um, it used to be, oh, what am I, Luxie. Luxie is like the super old school club oh, in yeah, Taipei. Luxie. Yeah. Owned by the Shaw brothers and a few other investors. Oh, Shaw brothers. Damn. All right. Yeah. Then uh, they remodeled it and split it in two. So one side's Omni, which is the techno room. And then Core is a swanky room. And I was there. When I lived there, I was there like every, <laughs> three, three nights a week. Wow. Okay. Well, I always go back. Although this trip, I never went back because I was married. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I met my wife there. And my wife's like, you're not going back. <laughs> <laughs> So we, uh, yeah, we met at core through a friend and we ended up going to karaoke, karaoke, of course. So go Chengwe until like the sun comes up. And then we went on a few dates after that and stayed in touch. She came to the U S about three or four times. I went back another two times probably. Mm. Um, yeah. And then the last time she was in LA, I was like, I want you to move here. You know, I think this is, this might be it. We should get married and plan it. She's like, great. And then she flew back and she's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we have to get married now. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Taipei, if you don't marry the mother of your child before the child is born, the child is not yours. Oh, like, what? Yeah, you have to adopt your own child, apparently. I did not know this. Yeah. So, wow. I mean, it's really easy to get married. <laughs> so we just, we went to the city hall. We got married before uh, it came out. <laughs> did you, did you yeah. do a wedding at all? or? Uh... We didn't really have a wedding. We invited a pandemic, handful of right? friends. Oh. Yeah. I mean, but it was fine in Taipei. Like this mm. was oh, right. 2020 September. And it was on a weekend. And City Hall will open up for you if you want to get married, apparently. Like, there was no one else in the building except for us and my friends. And yeah. one person, like, processing the, the marriage license. So they opened up for us. There was about 10, 12 people with us. And we Zoomed it to everyone in the U.S. and wherever. Nice. And they watched us get married, which was just sign a paper and then, you know, hold it up. Yeah, it wasn't anything crazy. Get some we'll try to throw a party back here in LA. Mm. Yeah, cool. So, um, I guess yeah. So one thing I mentioned in in like uh, before this podcast was like uh, the the move to. I think some people are kind of curious about that going to Taiwan during the pandemic, living there, and then coming back to the U.S. How that experience is like. I mean, you had already lived in Taiwan before, so I'm going. I'm guessing, and you. So going back to Taiwan was kind of like no real culture shock i guess this time around oh yeah right the only shock was like oh everyone's wearing masks oh, right. <laughs> no one is protesting outside of a school not oh, wearing yeah. masks <laughs> <laughs> um which was great right it's like i i was surprised by even some friends here when the pandemic first hit i was like this seems pretty serious and some friends like no nah, i'm gonna go to the gym i'm like okay, well, don't come over to my place after. They're like, why? I'm like, because like, 
this sounds really bad, right? <laughs> Even if it was beginning of March or something, I'm like, you know. So once I got to Taipei and heard the whole process, I did my two week quarantine at a hotel, you know, very smooth, no problems. Everyone's wearing masks. They sprayed all my luggage even before getting in the hospital, before getting in the hotel with alcohol. It's like, all right, they're pretty thorough, you know? Um, But it was still weird because I self-isolated in LA from like March to August. Like I barely went out. Yeah. Uh... So once I got out of the hotel, I was like, whoa. Yeah. It felt weird again, right? To be around a lot of people, but everyone's wearing masks. So it made me feel pretty comfortable. And I knew the numbers were really low there. So um, it was nice. But yeah, no culture shock, except for like, there were people walking around. (laughs) (laughs) So more like social shock, like, oh my God. Yeah. I'm in a crowd of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we're in a mall. (laughs) What is happening? We're eating at a restaurant. I don't know. Um, but that was nice. And then there was yeah. another lockdown in Taipei the year after. Oh, right. Yeah. For a couple I was months. there for that. Or well, I was in Tainan at the time, but yeah. 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 So, so did you like, have your place in LA um, the whole time? I'm guessing you, you kept your loft in LA. I did. I did. I had too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> One friend's like, you should just move to storage. I'm like, that sounds like another pain in the ass. Yeah. But I held on to it. I subletted to this one uh, person that I'll try to make this as short as possible. I was renting a place across street. I was subletting a place across street. Renters were not moving in because of the pandemic. So right. I wanted to end the lease. Right. But one guy had just moved in for a month. Yeah. So I felt bad. I said, hey, I've got a place across street, my current loft. I'll give you a deal as long as you like bring my mail in, bring my packages, you know, put the rent check in the box for the landlord. Yeah. And he, he took it. So luckily I found a guy that I didn't really know, but I had to kind of trust. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For a whole year here that became a sort of problem at the end, but we won't get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll We'll just say he's not very clean. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> but it's okay cool. yeah my all oh, yeah. my board games are still here though oh as far yeah, as I okay. know. And, <laughs> all, still, yeah. and my comic books as far as i know so one thing that happened while i think we were both in taiwan was the atlanta shootings right um oh yeah yeah so i remember hearing about um those shootings it's it's been a year it's a it's like the year anniversary was last month right so right um I was like, it was probably the only news in like, as far as I can remember, maybe in a long time that made me kind of like tear up, you know, like Mm. hearing about like how one of the moms, he had a kid and the kid's like, Hey, I don't know how, like, well, kid, kid, he's like 20 or something. Right. And he's, um, he's like, man, I don't know, but thanks for any support. He had like a GoFundMe and like, I fucking donated to that for sure. And I I checked on it a few days later and it was like, he blew past his like, um, his goal. His goal. Yeah. yeah, it was good. So I remember just in a weird way, I felt isolated because I, I was reading hmm. about the news in Tainan. I was in Tainan studying uh, Mandarin at the time. And I was just looking at these news reports, but like I, I'm, I'm in McDonald's, I'm surrounded by people, all, all these mostly college kids laughing, you know, chatting it up. But I was just like, as an Asian American, I'm reading this news, I was like, how come no one's as depressed as me? You know, like, yeah, you know, 
yeah, and I get it because it's it's not really the, it's not their struggle. They're Taiwanese, you know, like yeah. 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 Absolutely. I mean, I want to kind of hear you. Yeah. What were your thoughts when you heard that news and and you were in Taipei and yeah. Right. Where was I? I mean, I know I was in Taipei. I'm just trying to remember when I heard the news, but I think we actually did a podcast just for that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were gone for a while and then that happened and Boo and I were like, we should say something. So we had our friend Mitchie on who, uh, I know she at least grew up in Atlanta, so we thought she'd be a good person to talk to. Um, yeah, I guess the shocking thing from that to me was how many people didn't think it was racially driven or oh, that it was a hate crime. Um, and like, you know, I like to play devil's advocate and I understand why someone might say that, right? But I think they're just trying to find loopholes or excuses, right? Um, so that that that's what the biggest shame from that. Not the biggest shame. That was like a surprising shame, I should say, that I heard from some people, you know, thinking that it wasn't racially motivated. Um, I, I whatever happened to that guy? Did they ever what? deem it a hate crime? because uh, I, I feel like to... they're like we have to investigate it yeah and people are like really <laughs> like <laughs> like what, what do you have to investigate are there because yeah, he drew that he drove out of his way to like hit target, target spas. specific yeah and there were plenty of other spas and it's not like is someone going to say well spas are predominantly run by Asians mm, uh where like it's predominantly white and black it's clearly targeted specific places right yeah one year later let's see roughly i'm trying there's an npr one year later reports Hmm. nothing about the shooter actually huh yeah it's more about talking about where are we now one year later yeah yeah i mean yeah i don't think it's much better but it's also a, a complicated topic right all the yeah. crimes now because um, i'm curious yeah because i'm i'm thinking because i'm seeing someone now too and that's something i think about and, and you're in a similar position now it's like you you've got a kid you got and mm-hmm. like where if i want to you know take this relationship seriously and maybe raise a family eventually like do i want to do that in asia you know or do i want to do that in america and right. I know in America, there's all these racial weird dynamics, but there is like, you know, it's, it's where I grew up and there's certain, there are some individualistic ideals that I like, you know, and there's yeah. some I don't like, you know? Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I, I wonder what your thought process is about like, yeah. Yeah. Or, or do like the 50, 50, like maybe six months in Taiwan, six months in America, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I wish, but then I'd be doing those stupid hours again. But, oh God. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because, uh, hold on, she asleep? Um, Oh yeah, how are you on time? Sorry, yeah. I I was thinking maybe like 15 more minutes and then- Yeah, uh, yeah, no problem. Okay. Um, It's funny because like I've talked to friends that have been married and some have said like, I'm not going to bring a baby into this world right now, you know? Oh, wow. I'm like, I get that. 
And then I'm also reminded like a coworker was frustrated about she's in the uh, gaming industry, video game industry. And she keeps running into situations. She feels like that there's a lot of, and uh, we've seen it everywhere, right? Sexism. Okay. Right. In game, the gaming industry. Predominantly male first, industry, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she loves gaming. She loves the industry. But, you know, she's, if she's frustrated somewhere, at first she's like, I'm going to quit. And then she came back and she's like, you know what? If I quit, that's just one less, you know, female in the industry to show other females that they can, you know, do this and make it work. Ah, gotcha. Right? So I say that story because if you raise your child in the U.S., I think that says something if you have that choice, right? Right? I don't want you to be, I don't want people to be afraid of raising their child in America. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think mm. people should. And granted, there is, there are problems here, but why should the people, you know, and it's fine. I'm not, I'm not shaming anyone for like leaving America, right? Um, to raise a child someone else. If I had the opportunity, I would certainly consider it. Absolutely. But I would also say, if you're of, the mindset that you know that there's a problem, maybe that change can happen with you and start with you and your child. Great, right? Maybe, but I know like it was very, it's been a very daunting few <laughs> past years where a lot of people were like, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're- But, you're but we came back. Your wife has lived in America before, right? Or no, no. no. Oh, damn. She's only. I mean, she last the longest stay was like three months, and that was right before the pandemic. Oh, so she's how never is she adjusting here. then? Yeah, she's losing her mind. <laughs> how are you doing? Do you like America so far? It's only been three weeks, but you've always liked it, right? Because I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> no, she likes it. You know, it's uh. But I'll say this, when we came back, I was telling her about what was going on and, you know, yeah, in New that's York. Yeah, a hard conversation. And, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, so uh, no, I was just going to say, like, because LA is no safer, especially downtown LA where we are. And I think I might say something controversial here, but I think part of the problem also is a lot of the attacks seem to be from... Uh, a particular gosh how do i say this <laughs> right i know like, what you're gonna yeah right yeah. like dan you want to say it for him or <laughs> there are mental health issues at uh at large in the u.s that have not yes. been addressed right Got it. and yeah. a lot of those people live in downtown la or parts of new york right right um so right. you just have to be careful you always had to be careful yeah. Like Skid Row area, my God. Like, yeah, it's, I, it's like a pocket. Yeah, it's like, you know, post-war looking area. Yeah, yeah it's bad. It's always been bad. Like before this Asian hate stuff, I heard stories of people getting attacked, Ugh. right? My neighbor at my last place got punched in the back of her head. Wow. And then the guy just walked away. 
right? It happens. It shouldn't, but it happens. So I just wanted to tell my wife and make sure like, look, be careful where you walk, you know? And I've had tons of visitors to downtown from outside of LA. And I'll always say, don't go past this street. Don't go past this street, right? Because it's, it's just not safe. Yeah. So, but that, that, you know, but we should all feel safe, right? <laughs> Wherever we go, that's the problem. Especially the crimes in New York, I think are even scarier just because those are very public spaces where, you know, everyone, it's just a normal open public space, right? The subway train, everyone should feel safe there. Right. Um, For those of, of you who don't know, there were the two um, murders that were, that took place in New York with uh, Christina Lee, I believe her name was. Um, she was stabbed in her apartment. She was followed into her apartment as she was getting home by a mentally um, ill uh, black male. And then another woman, um, uh, Michelle Go, was pushed onto railway tracks in New York, uh, also by a mentally ill uh, black male as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm only laughing because it's just like ridiculous it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absurd to me. I'm just stating it's the facts. Crazy. I didn't, I'm not saying any sort of no 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 yeah yeah Yeah. no it's 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 totally i i can't it it boggles me that those things can still happen but i feel like those stories made the news because there is talk about asian hate right now right uh yeah yeah and like i'm not saying those type of things happen all the time but there are probably people unfortunately there are stories that don't make the big headlines of people getting murdered or, you know, assaulted and stuff or like assaulted that. or yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, God, there was that one, the older woman and the guy just started like kicking her in the head. I was like, Oh God. Is... Yeah. It, 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 this is a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Dan, I mean, uh, you're, I guess you, you you have kids growing up in LA and um, is this a concern that you have as well? Um, they're older than, you know, obviously um, uh, Jeff's kid, but yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I don't think about, you know, just naturally like about Asian hate. I just worry about bullying. You know, mm. it's just going to happen no matter what, especially if you're an Asian kid. Um, we our our school right now is, you know, very good and stuff like that. It's diverse, but not too many Asians, but diverse still. It's like when you get further on in the middle school and high school, they start wondering, or, or at least for me, I'm like, oh, I'm more concerned about, you know, other kids picking on other kids. It's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Right. It's just going to happen. It doesn't matter about race. It's just going to happen. Yeah. So right. my focus is on making sure my kids can actually defend themselves. So I'm making them do Kung Fu with me. I'm teaching oh, wow. Kung Fu. And then wow. so with other kids on Saturday mornings now, you know, some of their friends want to learn too. So I was like, okay, if their other friends want to learn, it'll inspire them to actually work or practice a little bit more, more power to them, whatever, whatever it's going to, uh, going to take to get my kids to practice Kung Fu. I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with that. So I'm more about, uh, it doesn't even have to be like racially motivated. It just has to be, you know, violence in general. <laughs> right. I want to make sure my kids are ready. Any sort of harassment, any sort of harassment. 
colorblind harassment. Any colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has that come up at all in the schools during the pandemic for your kids or not? No, no. Oh, good, good. That's great. I mean, they're still in elementary school. I, I really, I mean, I remember in third grade, this one girl was getting bullied, but I think the, the bigger stuff became like, uh, you know, the, the more serious bullying came about in junior high for me, junior high and high school. Uh, I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. that's Same when things got a little more physical. True. That's because of the puberty and yeah, yeah. Hormones. For whatever reason. So I'm preparing <laughs> them for middle school. <laughs> so you, I have so like a what, couple more years. So what, what I'm hearing is that you, you, uh, Jeff's, Jeff should enroll his uh, kid into your class or yeah, <laughs> Kung Fu class. I'm happy to teach any kid who wants to learn. Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Chinese Kung Fu. All right. Yeah. I mean, I might <laughs> seriously be interested in that. Well, but if she's interested in it, I'll give, right, of right, course, I'll yeah. give her yeah. the choice. Yeah. You, you should give her the choice. But for me, I was like, my kids don't have a choice. <laughs> 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 they should at least learn the basics to redirect and block, you know? Right. How they, to avoid getting if hit. If they get yeah. shoved mm-hmm. and just like redirect them and like block and stuff like that. Knowing That's how good. to yeah. fall is really important, I think, too. Yes. Like, yes. Knowing how to fall like, is very important. Yeah, yeah. She's really good at that right now. <laughs> <laughs> but she'll forget once she gets older. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You just All have right. to keep knocking her down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's wrap up this podcast. Um, any last thoughts about, um, I guess, uh, yeah, where, where, how uh, life going on from here? Um, sounds like you're resettling back to L.A. and... Um, yeah. You're working LA hours. So it sounds like you're on a more healthy schedule. Yeah. I feel healthier. I'm getting fatter again. Great. Yeah. Eating all the tacos, pizza, and burgers. Um, I'm finally seeing my parents after two years who haven't met my oh. daughter yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, this wow. weekend. So we're going up to Sacramento finally. So that's great. It's just nice to share a bed with my wife again. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. All these weird, normal things. <laughs> Um, no, it's great. I have a great job. Um, you know, can't complain too much. Right. I'm in a weird loft. That's the only thing like raising a baby. So it's a bit unconventional, but you know, I'm an artist. I like (laughs) not so conventional. I like things off the beaten path. So yeah. Is that that shirt something that you designed that you're wearing? No, this is a vintage shirt. Okay. Mm. And I think I only bought it because it reminds me of, oh my God. I, I mean, I love Disneyland. I know a lot of people hate Disney and Disneyland, but uh, there was the America ride. Uh huh. And there were like two buzzards. Yes. Right. And this, yes. I don't know. This just America Sings. America Sings. Yeah. Aren't there two buzzards, right? Yeah, they were always like talking. They're kind of like Statler and Waldorf, whatever. Yeah, from the Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, oh I kind of like this shirt because it just reminds me. Yeah. 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 Of one of those uh, vultures. <laughs> Are you going to start designing shirts soon? Yeah. Any creative I projects? I think we're going to come back. Uh, my wife says maybe she'll help. Um, I stream on Twitch and I'm just getting back into Twitch. I'm hoping to like do designs on stream and then sell them online. Um, I have a Taiwan shirt that I want to bring back. Mm. Uh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. I, I will always make some sort of shirts and just put them on my random website, but mm. I'm not really promoting anything at the moment. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, you want people to follow you on Twitch? Do you have any um, uh, uh, at uh, whatever that you want to yeah. shout out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my Twitch is gokid.tv. Um, that's the web link. Uh, G-O-K-I-D-T-V? Dot TV. Yeah, if dot you just TV. go to that, it'll go straight to my Twitch. Or we might be bringing the Yellow Peril podcast back. If you just search that on any podcast, mm. you can listen to the past episodes, which might, may or may not be embarrassing now. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it for now. I'm not, yeah. I don't have too many of my own projects at the moment um, for now. But once mm. I get settled in, I'm sure we'll, I'll have a few things going on, I hope. I guess your biggest <laughs> project is your daughter, right? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the most time-consuming thing, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> awesome, cool. So we're going to wrap it up with Language Corner. Yay. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Language Corner. Um, so in this segment, uh, what uh, I learned this word recently, baka uma. So like baka means like, uh, oh, baka, baka like you're, you're dumb, right? Yeah. But then uma means like, oh, uma, it tastes good, right? It's like a casual way to say it tastes good. So baka uma means like stupid good like this tastes amazing so I, I went i went with um i i take i take a jiu-jitsu class here a brazilian jiu-jitsu class in in um in uh, suzuka a mie area and uh i went with some guys to a mexican restaurant like one of the, it's probably what like the <laughs> the best mexican restaurant i've had in, in the Mex, best mexican food i've had in japan by far <laughs> yeah so um I mean, definitely LA is just kills it, but like, uh, yeah. So I was happy. So anyways, I ha we had these jalapeno poppers, like fried jalapenos. I was like, damn, this is fucking good. Right. And then he's like, baka uma. <laughs> 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 he's like, it's, yeah, it's fucking good. Yeah. That's how you yeah. say it. So baka uma. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess another phrase, um, oh yeah. Um, how I, once in a while, I still try, I try to keep up with the Taiwanese language too. Um, that's what I, I spoke before I was four. So mm. one, one phrase uh, uh, that's useful is, where are you from? So, uh, like, where, what kind of person are you? Lang, Lang means learn in Mandarin, right? Or, or person. So, uh, it's like, where are you from? Or what nationality are you? Yeah. So anyways, those are my phrases, yeah. And then for me, um, I recently learned this. Uh, in Japan, all the, the train stations, the, the place where you stand is called a home. They always say home. And I thought, oh, home. that's such a weird way of, of saying it. I was like, oh, is that because it's home? I know it's a borrowed, borrowed word, but I learned it's actually short for platform. Hmm. <laughs> and so yeah, because they don't have the F sound. So oh. platform, so it's home. So instead of platform, it's home. And they oh, just cut weird. off the plat part. Yeah. Oh. Huh. I thought that was interesting for, for me. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know for like, um, oh, shoot, was there's something I learned recently. Uh, 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 let me think about it. Yeah, but yeah, Jeff, do you have anything? or yeah? uh, Going back to cuss words. <laughs> <laughs> well so the, so i learned just in the past i feel like i learned it right before i went to taipei but I, what 
and I started using it way too much. But I'm sure you know it, James. Biaozi. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which just means bitch. <laughs> I never knew it's it. It's rude. <laughs> it's really mean way to call. I, th- I think it's can Billy, my wife's right here. Can I call a man a Biaozi? Oh, it's only for females. Okay, so that's a bit oh. sexist. <laughs> um, but say, the, uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say the other one I enjoy that just sounds fun is, you know, Mama Hoo Hoo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, confused. Just so, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, Mama so. Hoo Hoo. So. I don't know, I just like the way that sounds. <laughs> like Mama so, so. Uh, Mama Hoo Hoo. It's just Mama. so, so. Yeah, yeah. so. Mama hoo hoo. Does that mean confused too, or no? It means more like so so. Like mom. It means like ma ma in Japanese, right? Yeah. Oh, mama hoo. Mama hoo hoo. Yeah. Oh, I did. Oh, so this is the thing. Um, so, um, head honcho. Do you know this word, head honcho? Like, oh, yeah. you're a, yeah. He's the, head, the honcho head honcho of the club. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, so okay. I guess it's it's Japanese. Japanese it comes from Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- yeah. I thought mm. it was like. I thought it was Spanish for the longest time, right? Yeah. But then, like, or like yeah. Native American. Yeah, yeah. But then, like, <laughs> someone here, like one of these other Japanese, um, uh, these English teachers here in Japan, was telling me, no, it's actually Japanese. Like Hancho, if you look it up, it's like, yeah, the, I think it's a different pronunciation in Japanese, um, Hancho. But yeah, it S-H-O, comes from Japanese. Hancho. Yeah, Hancho. because like a manager is Kacho. And oh, Kacho. You're right. Yeah, yeah. A lo- lower level manager is kakaricho and bucho. So something cho. It's like the um, character for long at the very uh, end, cho. Maybe it happened during the all the Japanese automotive stuff. Like I keep thinking of, what was that movie with Michael Keaton? Oh, um, Gung Ho. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that Getty makes me think Getty the term Watanabe. came, right? Yeah. yeah. Getty Watanabe. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw him the other day. Really? Yeah. Really? Like, Dude, in Little Tokyo, no less. I was like, Jenny Watanabe goes, yeah. I was like, my <laughs> wife just saw you in the play. <laughs> East-West players goes, oh, thank you so much. You're oh. like, I didn't say you were good. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was a huge fan. Oh, was, totally. Yeah. Me too. That's right? awesome. Like when you're growing up, 16 Candles, like Long Duck Dong and Gung Ho yeah. and Volunteers. I was like, oh, Jenny Watanabe. Classic. Nice, nice guy or? Super nice guy. Oh, Super nice. nice guy. Cool, cool. Yeah. That's, al- that's always good when you meet a celebrity or, yeah. Well, I mean, celebrity for Asians, right? Like, <laughs> right. And older Asians. Like, older Asians, right? <laughs> yeah. But I bet you, like, no white kids, like, will think about Getty Watanabe now. Yeah. He so should make he- a comeback. Just mm. like uh, the, he, what, I don't, I don't know how. Ke Hui Tren or something. Yeah, like yeah. Ke Hui Because he came back, yeah. finally. Wait, is that the short round kid or? Yeah, it- yeah. yeah. Short okay. rounds in the Michelle Yeoh movie. Everything, oh, everywhere, everywhere all, all at once. Yeah. Ah, cool. Uh, so, uh, head honcho. While honcho is often mistakenly believed to have Spanish origins, it actually traces its roots to American soldiers who fought in the Pacific during World War II. Okay. So, um, <laughs> that makes which more is sense Japan. Than yeah, Japanese island. <laughs> well, you know, just like off gook. I, I didn't know where gook came from until recent, until a college. Oh, oh right, like yeah. miguk, yeah, which is yeah. like country and guk means country in uh, Korean. Mi, right? yeah. Miguk was like American. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So the Koreans kids will always like point to Americans. It's like miguk, miguk, and then the I'm Americans a... are like, yeah, you're a gook, you're a gook. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> too bad. 
<laughs> but it All makes right, sense thanks. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. Okay, we want we want to respect your time and we really, really appreciate you sharing it with us. No, yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks, I Jeff. appreciate it. I hope yeah. I was I don't know why you invited me, but I appreciate it. Oh, dear, I don't yeah. know if I said anything worthwhile, but thanks for listening to my stories. Yeah, definitely. I think <laughs> one thing definitely with this podcast is we want to highlight some people who have, you know, been you're you're in in many ways you you've been part of the Asian American artists movement like behind the scenes here and there and yeah we want to highlight people that you know maybe are uh, don't necessarily want the spotlight but we do want to show some some spotlight some light on their work and who they are yeah so thank you yeah I appreciate that yeah. thanks thank you. Love you, love you, love you.